there, everyone. Welcome back to Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle podcast. As always, I'm your host, Tom McCarthy. So happy to be with you. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Hope everyone has had a great holiday season. Speaking for myself, I've had a great 2022. It really has been an enjoyable year. I've taken my lumps here and there, but for the most part, it's been a good one for myself and my family and my circle of friends. And hopefully that same thing has happened to you. And as always, optimistic as we head into 2023, we've got a great show for you today. It is, it's kind of a Frankenstein's monster of a show. It is a retrospective. Um, I'm going to be joined shortly here by our awesome producer that many of you know, Joel, Joel Fragameni. And uh, I've got a pretty big announcement to make. Uh, so I'll hold on to that for just a moment. Going to be throwing a lot at you here in our final episode of 2022 on the Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle podcast. Let's talk a little bit about what's going on at the club here in the first week of January, I do believe as this show posts, it is likely New Year's Eve. So we're posting on the last day of December of 2022. There are still some tickets left for the Matthew Broussard show this evening at the castle. Uh, I believe I believe there are two shows. Yes, there are two shows. There is a 730 show and a 1030 show on New Year's Eve with Matthew Broussard, who absolutely packed the place out last night i'll expect he'll do the same on new year's eve get your tickets call the castle at 248-542-9900 for ticketing needs and questions better yet go to the website at comedycastle.com a few easy clicks whip out your plastic you can purchase the tickets right there you've heard me mention many times here in the last couple months and it's not hyperbole it's not it's not being on the payroll from the castle or being paid off but I got to tell you, this this fall at the castle, and in, in all the years I've been associated with the Comedy Castle, all the years I've been performing there, I have never seen the showroom like it's been uh, since uh, I, I would say going back to the post Labor Day period. We've we've been selling it out. We've been having weeknight shows sell out, Sunday sellouts, and uh, it speaks to the strength of the club and the caliber of talent we have coming through. So make sure you check it out the first week of January. On Wednesday the 4th, it is our world-famous open mic night, 7.30 p.m. I'm going to pop in myself and beg somebody for some stage time. And then the 5th through the 7th, four or five, so, five shows, Comedy Castle favorite, Jackie Cashin. And I feel I feel a little bit lame because Jackie has been on the show. I don't know if it was last year or two years ago, whatever the case may be. But I remember part of our conversation was how to pronounce her name properly. I think I am. I think I am pronouncing it correctly <laughs> you can check me on that all right um with that i guess in this order i'm going to make a, a little bit of a brief announcement and then bring in our awesome awesome friend and producer joel fragameni uh after four years and i guess this is our 125th show uh i've got to step aside i've had the time of a lifetime and an absolute blast bringing the show to each and every one of you on a weekly basis the people I've spoken to, the, the 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 names I have interviewed, it has just been amazing. It's been mind blows. It's been mind blowing. I've had a lot of great experiences and trips uh, since I've been in this comedy racket, and and I'll put this experience right at the top. Uh, unfortunately, or for better or for worse, just the way life works out, there's some things outside of comedy in my life that need tending to, and uh, there's just not enough time in the day to 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 research the acts to reach out to them to prep for them and and to do the type of interviews that I like doing I just don't have the time in my life right now and that's something I'm a little bit sad about but we will get over it so with that being said 
I'm ready to transition. I'm, I'm transitioning on today's show, <laughs> You're Joel. transitioning? Oh, I'm wow. starting 2023 that's, that's by transitioning. News. That's big news. I'm transitioning <laughs> to Joel Fragmenti. Uh, and we just, this isn't going to make the show because we had a very, um, yes. we had a surprise caller. We did. That Mr. I, Ridley <laughs> himself called in and no one will ever know about it. I they? tried to surprise you with Mark calling in and wishing you well. Uh, which he was more than happy to do. Uh, the equipment that I've purchased recently yeah. to help produce the show did not uh, work as intended. No. And unfortunately, it was not recorded, but it was a nice uh, moment uh, that you got to have there with them. And uh, well, it, and it, uh, very sincere about how much you've done. I second everything he said. You've done an unbelievable job with the show. And uh, I mean, just me even, you know, preparing for this, going back and listening to some of the interviews really put a smile on my face. I mean, really oh, great I, stuff that, that, you know, I think I take for granted because I think sometimes mm-hmm. and I think you, you feel the same way when it's time to make the show. You know, you're recording it. You're kind of under the gun. You've only got this window with these right. headliners. And then you send it to me and then the clock's ticking to get this thing up mm-hmm. because they're going to be in town in two days and we want to promote it. And so do I get to sit and listen to these things for like pure enjoyment all the time? Maybe <laughs> not necessarily. But today to listen back to some of these uh, interviews, it was really wonderful, man. It was well, I appreciate, it's great. I Fantastic appreciate those, stuff, man. those words. You know, Mark, when, when, when you let me know that our surprise caller was going to be Mark himself, I thought that would be a great opportunity. Both of us could announce that the transition yeah. to Joel, Joel's going to be <laughs> taking over the show. Uh, I, he'll I'm, be bringing these interviews to you on a weekly basis, and there's not a better person to do it, in my well, opinion. Well, thank you, man. That, that means a lot. And, uh, you know, I uh, and the only reason I feel I'm doing the show is because you said to Mark, I think Joel should take over the show. It wasn't me <laughs> going, oh, Tom's leaving. Here we go. Well, sweep him out and come out. You know, it was like whatever Mark wants to do with the show. If he had wanted to no longer do Comedy mm-hmm. Cast podcast, then we wouldn't do Comedy Cast podcast. And I'd be happy with that decision. Uh, but he wants to keep it going and he trusts me to do interviews. And maybe some of you know, I mean, I've been interviewed on this show before, but I've been podcasting since 2005. Mm-hmm. I work with these headliners almost every night at the Comedy Castle. So. Yep. I'm probably well, you're qualified big, to do it. You're uh, a yeah. big part of the team over there. Yeah, thank you. And, you know, ever since I've gotten to know you better, which this show, you know, I, I knew you. I, yeah. You know, I knew yeah. you. We were friendly. We weren't necessarily friends, but I knew you through the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but getting to know you through the show, you and I have a lot of things in common. One of them is the gift of gab. Now, people <laughs> yeah. like us consider it a gift. People in our lives probably yeah, think, won't well, this guy shut the fuck up? It, it is a thing. But I, I've noticed ever since uh, becoming friends with you and working on the show, you, like I, can talk to a lot of different people yeah. about just about anything. Uh, sometimes the facts may be shady, but hey, who cares? <laughs> That's the world we live in. But it's what a great... I've thought for years in, in my life, what if, if, if God or the universe or karma, whatever blessed me with the ability to talk to people and the desire what will mm-hmm. i ever do with it what where's it ever going to get me well the answer is podcasting yeah, well. the mark ridley's comedy castle podcast the people we get to talk to every week is it, it's just mind-blowing yeah. it, it really is in, it, in the access we have and you know we're going to play some of those here just you 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 told me who you wanted and listen i could have probably found any of these and said 
here's something funny that happened with this guy yeah. or this guy you don't know. But uh, I think everybody here you're going to know for the most part, even if you haven't listened back to the show. These are all uh, pretty well-known uh, people that we've had on. And some of the, the phone calls, just the way that the phone calls, even the way sometimes the phone calls took place yeah. was funny and, and certainly was a headache for me at times to try right. to make them sound good yeah. when they really were in no position to really do an interview. Um, that was always interesting. But yeah, I mean, uh, and some of these people, I, I think people should know maybe a little bit about, you know, the show does exist to promote the club. Right. Yep. You know, um, but once you're on, if you're a comic and you're on the show, you're then promoting yourself. You're promoting your brand. You're yep. always talking about what specials yep. they've done, where people can get their albums and all that mm-hmm. stuff. So they really do have to to perform at a certain point. It's not... It becomes, you know, there is the obligatory thing. Okay, I'm doing this because I'm working this club. I want to sell tickets to the club. And I know that sometimes to kind of peel, and this doesn't happen for everybody, but it is, there is a little thing about, uh, just so you know, that uh, that Late Show Friday is a little light. So would you mind talking to Tom? (laughs) I know you maybe weren't. Because what it is, is like if the comic has sold Mm -hmm. every ticket for the week, Sometimes they're like, well, why would I do this thing to promote mm-hmm. the thing? I remember I took Bobby Slayton because sometimes, you know, comics come to town and I'll drive them to like TV and radio, you mm-hmm. know. And uh, we went to Channel 2 and Jason Carr was interviewing Bobby Slayton. Oh, wow. And Jason Carr turns to Bobby. He goes, are tickets available for this weekend? And Bobby said, would I be here if tickets weren't available? <laughs> you, know, you know, it's 7 a.m. Bobby yeah. Slayton, uh, yeah. you know, did a show the night before. So, you know, that's to some degree, that's why people are doing it. But we've also had people who've sold every ticket and were Absolutely. more than happy to come on anyway and just do it because they love the club. So if I think about it, too, in the terms of, you know, why does the show exist? Yes, absolutely. Promoting the club and the acts are a big part of it. But I also think we've done a good job and I hope you run with this is that I, I feel we've done a good job of promoting the Detroit scene in general. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We, we've had yeah. a lot of comics who are part of the scene. You know, Mark has been great. As long as you're not running a show that's directly in competition no. with a castle show and you're within a, I don't know, 50 mile radius we've always tried to shine a light on people who are doing other things because the stronger the comic community is in, mm-hmm. in, in Detroit and in, in, in Michigan, the stronger the club is and everything, the synergy, boy, I'm using, <laughs> I'm using corporate <laughs> All terms. the corporate talk what, here on, Jesus. well, that's one thing that when you're gone, Tom, we're going to sweep that out of here. That <laughs> no. corporate attitude. We're going underground, baby. <laughs> that's right. Um, so we've we've got some things. We'll we'll get a little bit sentimental at the end of the show. Who knows? So. Uh, you I mean, you may hear me ugly cry here uh, <laughs> in my last episode. Well, here. what uh, are you gonna? What are you gonna miss about not doing it every week? Are you gonna Are you gonna feel like maybe uh, a little detached from it in a, in a way that you're? I will. Uh, it's gonna be uh, the. The excitement, sometimes it can be a pain in the ass depending mm-hmm. on what's going on in, in my life in the in the yeah. given week that, you know, whatever act I've got to um, research and prep for and, and speak to. But just the conversations with really interesting people, with very few exceptions, and you might be dialing one up here shortly. Comics are interesting <laughs> people. Yeah. I, I love bon vivants. I love eccentrics. Mm-hmm. And gosh, the, just the conversations, you know. I've spoken to people who've been on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. I've spoken to people who were on the Johnny Carson Tonight yeah. Show. I've heard wild showbiz stories. Mm-hmm. I'm going to miss that. I yeah. definitely am going to miss that. Yeah. Um, I'm going to miss pretty much every aspect of it other than um, uh, other than the pressure of, holy shit, we got to yeah. track this down. We got to... We gotta, we gotta get this person. Some of them, like T.J. Miller, is like yeah, holding mercury yeah. in your hands. See, he's, he's. Once you get him on the phone, he couldn't be more that's, gracious. That's. I've got a really funny clip of T. In fact, we can go to that now if you want. But he, 
Here's the thing for as elusive as TJ is and, you know, the reputation that precedes him, which I think is part of the clip that I'm going to play for you in a second here. We had him twice. Yeah, sure on the did, show. Yeah. Yeah. And he's coming back. He's doing, I believe, for the first time. No, he did. He did before full weekend. He's done awesome. one full yeah. weekend uh-huh. at the club, and he's doing another one in 23. So play the you want to just go to that? Let's, let's go play to, the let's clip. Let's go to him I, because he was um, he was something else. And uh, now <laughs> is this, this is, is this interview too. This this will be interview too. Yeah, that's hold on a second because what I got to do is I got to fast forward to the spot where you asked him. I'll see how much this shows up about his reputation. Okay. That's where this starts. Here. And 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 part of that is is scheduling work because one of the reasons I'm successful is that I just work all the time. I just work constantly. It's about three and minutes. I would stay up all night working and all that kind of stuff. So I'm not doing that anymore. So my big health issue right now is figuring out how to have the same amount of success uh, and have the same correct work output. Oh, I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> yes. Other than this one, you're doing your own podcast? Yeah, now? I'm doing a podcast. Can you come back? And we have a checkout that's in a half an hour. Oh, this is a hotel made. To me. This is going to make for great. This is going to make for terrific podcasting. Did you shoot? Okay, yeah, I'm just packing up and then I'll be out. <laughs> you better be that careful. Somebody's knocking to get me out of here right exactly. I've got a couple things right, for so you. I've got a couple yeah, yeah, things continue. for you. And then and, and then we, we always appreciate your time. You know, we love you in Detroit. But what I was going to say, in fairness to you, you know, you you're you're an open book. You know, some of some of the struggles and some of the episodes you have just because of your station in life and the, and the fact that you're a famous comedian and actor. You know, you you paid a price, you paid a penance for it. But in fairness to you, oh, sure. the people at the clubs that I've worked that you've worked at, Comedy Castle being one of them, comics I know who've opened for you, I've never heard anything but you're a decent, gracious guy. That you know that. When when you had some of the issues, it was not congruous uh, or it was incongruent with the people uh, that that people with the person that people knew on a one to one basis. And that's really was what's important in life. You know, we've we've had people come through the club who have a squeaky, clean, impeccable public image, and they're absolutely shitheads to the staff, the bartenders, and, 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 and yeah, some of the paying customers. I've worked with some people like that where I was actually playing a bartender. <laughs> but, I mean, I think that's what's been so confusing to me and Kate. Yeah. <laughs> so, I have this, uh, this wife person. And she and I have been buddies since college. We right, dated yeah. in college. We're just like homies, you know. And she's a really down ass chick, but she's been with me forever. It's like the longest time we've been together because, you know, we just know each other and, and so we know everything about one another, all of that. And we're just confused by the fact that everybody, not everybody, but this huge swath of the American public, also not congruous, was correct. Your instinct was right. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, I mean, incongruence. Is also, but uh, both were right. Both were right. Um, and, you know, it's it's just confusing to us that there's this huge amount of people that just hate. And I'm trying to work on that as um, a bit. I, was, I, I have this bit I'm working on called just like, Eight million people, and I was like, "What if eight million people hated you?" Yeah, you know that's so many people. It's like a country that's like bigger than Cyprus. <laughs> and at first, you're like, "Oh my god, all these people hate me!" But after a while, you kind of just have to be like, "Well, you know, uh, 
I guess those people hate me, but it doesn't really affect me. Um, and that kind of becomes, it would be like if all of uh, Portugal hated you. And you'd be like, oh, well, Portugal hates me. And people are like, oh, that sucks. And like, yeah, but it doesn't really affect my life at all. So I guess I just won't go to Portugal. But it's like <laughs> Portugal is kind of spread all across the country. But none of those people are coming to my shows. I've never, ever once had someone in, like, real life be like, you're a fucking monster, you know? You try. I can't believe it. But we... Look at this. This is a perfect road comic podcast. Hold on. I think it's a front Hello, desk yes. trying to... Oh, hi. Yes, we're... I'm, I'm, I'm finishing packing up. I told the gentleman <laughs> oh, to Oh, my God. That was so great. <laughs> and, then, and then, like, you... Uh, you lost the call yeah. and he called somebody called. I can't remember because it was an edit and I, either you called oh. him back or something, but it's just like, here's he the guy sucks you into his world. Right. He's a great example. Of, I felt like yeah. I was with TJ Miller, the crazy energy of that. And, That's and you can hilarious. Just, I just see like that. There's bags packed right yeah. by the front, the door yeah. of the hotel room. Uh-huh. He's trying to wrap it up with you. So these guys can come in and clean yeah. the room. And yet he's pouring his heart out about how 8 million people hate him. And yeah. then, you know, the the hotel phone rings and they want to clean. It's just he's he's wild, man. The, he's but he's deep at the same time. And when you're with him, and I don't know how much time if you met him face to face or not. Never, never he is a face. sweet man. It's all I've he ever really heard. is. That's he really is. I, I really love hanging out with TJ. It's a little it can wear you out. Yeah. But I've spent, you know, I drive him around when he's in town and yeah. stuff, spend a little time with him. And, but um, and, and the act is unbelievable. It's a great. I'm glad you pulled that clip too, because not only is it funny, but it's a great example of something that every interviewer is going to have to make this decision, and we'll see what the decisions you make. But a lot of the people that I've interviewed, especially the the bigger somebody is in showbiz, there's going to be dirt on them. I don't yeah, shit. Yeah. Will Will Smith has dirt on yeah, him now. Course. You know. Yeah. Um, the, the bigger the name and, and, and TJ's stuff is pretty well documented. He's, he's, he's got some things there that were unpleasant that I think he's paid a price for, but do you, do you ask the question or yeah. do you not? I mean, um, uh, it, it's getting a sense talking to him and just knowing about his public persona. He, he didn't seem to run or hide from a lot of no. that. So he yeah. was a great example of somebody that I was going to, you know, yeah. bring it up with, yeah. um, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't too much of a pussy. I was channeling my, <laughs> my inner Mike Wallace. Now he, he's, he's, it's a heck of a show. When you see TJ Miller, it is something else. He, there's really not another act that is like that, that you're going to see. And I say that yeah. in a good way. It's, yeah. it's crazy, but I don't think it's also a thing that's going to drive people away. I think it makes you like him more, his live act. I, uh, my notes, I, I remember I remember from that one, you know, for, for every interview, I have kind of a rough outline and we'll write down some specific questions and see where it leads us. But I really wanted to talk to him about Martin Starr because I'm a huge Freaks and Geeks fan. Okay. And just in a tangential way, the fact that T.J. Miller worked with Martin Starr for all these years, <laughs> what he's like. And I, I would regret it that we never got to that. But that that was a fun one. He was super uh, he was super gracious and. What it did, and it got me back into. I, I don't remember the exact timeline, but I watched 
like the first season of Silicon Valley okay, way yeah, back when. Yeah. And I remember, thinking, oh, that's a good yeah. show. And it got me back into watching. So now yeah. I've rewatched it since that interview. He's incredible on that show. And they, and they did some seasons without him, right? That was that was one end, of his controversies. Yeah, yes, exactly. They did. Oh, here's, did you know Freaks and Geeks trivia? Uh, I've got Freaks and Geeks trivia. Here we are. Personal see, connection. see, we've we've Personal I, I've got a lot in, Tom, I got a lot in common with Joel. Now we're going to Freaks and Geeks. The high school that the real world high school that Chippewa Freaks and Geeks Valley, met, which is my alma mater, Tom McCarthy. Valley, I graduated from Chippewa Valley High School. It is based on my high school. Paul Feig. Paul Feig. Yeah, yeah. Who, he, he was an alum, right? Yeah, ta- Paul is probably fifteen years older than me, so we were not uh-huh. at school at the same time. There is a local comedian because uh, Paul, you know, started doing comedy locally, yeah, and yeah, there are people that know him. And I know, I don't know if you know him well, but Steve Bills. I know. No, Steve I don't Bills know Steve. was I don't. friends with Paul Feig, and I've worked with Steve Bills a thousand times. And uh, yeah, and he went to that high school too. Isn't that the best? Many, many uh, writers and directors have tried to capture the American high school yeah. experience and put it on the screen. No one did it better than those perfect yeah. twelve episodes yeah. or whatever. And I, and I always tell people like. Because this is how I impress younger people. Uh-huh. I went to high school in the eighties, <laughs> and if you've seen Freaks and Geeks, it's based on my high school. Oh, my kids! Love and they Freaks go, "Oh my Geeks. god, that's incredible!" And I go, "I still hated high school." Don't don't, don't, yeah. don't get me wrong. I it was not. Well, I still hated the guy, and it wasn't Fast Times at Ridgemont High. No. I started in eighty six. The fun was yeah. over, you know. So I, you got a couple years on me. Maybe you were there in eighty three and eighty two. No, class of eighty seven. I'm not that class old. of eighty seven. Yeah, you're you're my uh, you were my brother. So um, surprise me. Who do we? Do? Well, I, I know mean, you pulled a up a few a ways to go. Surprise here. me. Uh, let's see who else we got here. Um, I, I liked, you know, this is a guy that I, I know I got to get on the mic here. Look at me. Look at me producing. <laughs> um, this is a guy that uh, see if you know who I'm talking about here. You said I'm about to interview so and so. You must know lots about this guy. And I go, yeah, I'm going to oh, type up. I typed Mick up a Foley. page of notes I used and questions. Did I? I don't know that you did, but you did a great interview with Mick. Let's play oh, some of that. God, I love this. Because dude. Mick Foley, the professional wrestler who I'll tell you, here's the thing about Mick Foley. His picture is on the wall of the comedy cast. He's walking. I think it's one of those. Either right. he's with yeah. Mark or he's just a picture of him backstage getting ready to go out on stage. More people stop and point at that photo than almost anybody. <laughs> it might be Saget. Saget yeah, and Tim Allen uh-huh. are up there, too. Yeah. People may point at those a little bit more. And, and of course, Saget, because he's gone now. But Mick Foley, people go, oh, that guy was here. What does he do? What is his show like and stuff? So he's one of the guys uh, that everybody talks about. I see. I got to pot that down. Uh, I Let's see. I figured out. His, he talks about how he got started doing stand up. And I think this is a good lesson for anyone who is doing stand-up. All right, let's, I'm supposed to do this. Let's take you to Mick Foley. Mick Foley. <laughs> he was in Gotham in New York City. And so I said, hey, you know, let them know I used to do comedy. If they want me to go up and do a set, I will. So I'm sitting front row, you know, front table with about eight wounded warriors. There's probably about 15 of the, the men and women combined. I don't know if I'm on or not, but I see a procession of some of the best comics. It was Amy Schumer right before she exploded. Yeah. Judah Friedlander, who I knew a little bit from doing a couple of conventions. And then they said, hey, we've got a, you know, we've got a comic. <laughs> you might know him from WWE, Mick Foley. And I come up <laughs> from the table. I proceed to bomb on a level that I would not have thought possible. Part of of it was, you know, I mean, you give any male a chance to go on stage with a microphone, they're probably going to talk about 
their genitals, you know, yes. at first. And I'm listening to like three or four guys. I'm like, wow, they're talking about their genitals. I'm going to change my set on the fly. Like I used to do with uh, wrestling, you know, yeah. promos, but it's a different skill set than cutting a promo. Yes. And I go up there. Uh, like I said, I said, if you call it eating it, you know, dying, I'm dying up here. And I literally said to the crowd, if I was in a pool, I would ask for a life preserver because I'm drowning up here. <laughs> it was the only applause I got. When I came off the stage, I, I was almost praying. I don't want to say pray. I was hoping for a hole to open up in the stage and swallow me <laughs> so I could get well, off of there. Uh, and my saving grace was Judah Friedlander was uh, waiting in the wings and he saw that I was distraught. He was like, dude, it's not as bad as you thought. I was like, dude, it's awful. And he goes, dude, he, you know, he's dude, everything's dude. He goes, dude, he goes, you've got something other comics don't have. I said, what's that, dude? He goes, people actually listen to you, man. He goes, yeah. someone else goes up there, doesn't get a laugh yeah. for four minutes. They're done. And they look yeah. and he goes, dude, don't get me wrong. You got to find a way to make this funny. <laughs> and then, you know, Judah does all that brilliant crowd work yeah mm-hmm. he says dude do you think what i do comes off the top of my head and I say, yeah and he reaches into his back pocket he withdraws a stack of index cards oh, yeah. that's got arrows pointing every which way he goes dude if what i do up there looks easy it's because i've worked really hard to make it look that way and he told me he said i'll take you along with me if you want and he goes, you got to be willing to put the work in. And so I'd say about 12 or 13 nights. I don't want to say I did it years, but mm-hmm. I would go out there with Judah and do four or five clubs a night. I would hear me go, hey, it's Judah. I got a friend with me. You can do five minutes. And so I'd be up there, you know, getting the reps in time after time without, uh, you know, any many fans knowing who I was. And I was trying not to do wrestling stuff. And I was combining that with Sorry. calling It's hard to find a spot to get out. Mick likes saying, to talk, but. Hey, can I do ten minutes here? Can I open for this no, guy? No, that's good. I, yeah, I mean, it just and he's hearing a guy that's that famous go through the struggles that every new comedian goes through. Bingo. I thought it was interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, objectively, I would say that he and Attell are probably the two biggest celebrities we've had on yeah, the show. Yeah. And um, first of all, well, I've got a couple of interesting sidebars on Mick Foley in the interview. Is he? responded i thought we were already sold out <laughs> and uh and then before i could even type a response he said i still have some time okay it was which, how cool he, he was he was sold out um and then also i don't recall if it made the the show that posted but we had a little bit of a delay and had to reschedule slightly because he had the previous night's take on him in cash Get a bag of cash oh, okay. instead yeah. of about nine grand <laughs> that he had to get to the bank before uh, X yeah, amount of time. I don't remember so. that making the show, but yeah, I mean he's he's got. If you ever get a chance to see him, if you if you know who he is from wrestling, mm-hmm. even if you don't, even if somebody is going and they go, do you want to come see this Mick Foley guy? You should go because yeah. his storytelling is unbelievable. Yeah, the wrestling stories he makes it palatable if you don't know wrestling mm-hmm. to understand his stories. And he's just very compelling. He's uh, he's, he's been an entertainer yeah. since he was a young age. Yeah, I mean, very, very fascinating guy. Very, yeah. very cool. And it's weird. Uh, we've talked about this a little bit, but the parallel. there are so many comics who are into wrestling. Yeah. I, I don't know what the parallel, it, but, it you know, comic gigantic. books and, and wrestling. And I, 
you know, back in the day when, when I was a kid, uh, I was into it and then just kind of drifted. I knew some of the, the bigger acts and bigger storylines, um, but then kind of getting reacquainted with it just for that interview um, it, it was really cool. And I still, I've not given up hope. I want to go to a WWE show at some <laughs> point in time. They're coming soon. I, I go to wrestling, but generally not WWE. I see the other groups. I want to go to grassroots. Okay. I, I want to go to it. a gym somewhere and see them yeah. flying around. The um, Here's what I'll tell you. The uh, Mick Foley. Okay. So Alex Price, who was, I think, a show two that yes. we ever did, because I just pulled up uh, uh-huh. the first show, which was Bill Bouchard and Mark Ridley. Uh-huh. Alex Price, Paul Pizzix was the second show. Alex Price, if you guys uh, don't know who he is, he's 6'10", easy, 350, if yeah. anything. Yeah. He started a Twitter war with a WWE wrestler. I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'm going to spare some of the details of who the guy <laughs> I is. I know that. They started a Twitter war, ended up... And the guy goes, yeah, why don't you come to the show? And he goes, why don't you give me some tickets? So the guy gave Alex tickets. Alex went to the show. They ended up hanging out. Every time they come to Indianapolis where Alex lives, he gets a front row seat. Wow. Courtesy of this WWE wrestler. That's cool. And Alex was just giving because he thought the guy was a lousy wrestler, all this uh-huh. stuff. And he goes, no, I'm cool. Hang out with me. Now they're hanging out. All the, It's really a cool story. The wrestlers are. We are the wrestlers world. Do you have are, a We yeah, Are yeah, The yeah. World drop? I, I, I don't have that, but we have. What do we have? I don't know. Just give me a drop on your new just board. Me, come on. There's an applause. A quality Mick Foley interview. By the way, Mick Foley was interview number 71. If you want to go back through the archives, TJ Miller was number 84. Because some of these you can get. If you subscribe on one of the services, uh-huh. uh, otherwise you can go to comedycastlepodcast.com. All these shows are up there. Cool. That's how I got them. I went, I Googled Comedy Castle Podcast. Give me this one. Give me that one. It's funny, like listening back to these. It is weird. Like recording yourself as a comic is a necessary evil. You have to. Mm-hmm. I record every show I have yeah. small, but, but it's, it's usually when I'm, uh, the shows I listen to are usually mics or stuff that I'm trying to work something out. <laughs> mm-hmm. I very rarely, the only time I ever listened to my album was when I was just proofing the tracks, yeah. when the producer was putting together, and I have never listened to <laughs> the Comedy Castle podcast. It's okay. weird hearing yeah. some of this. I'll listen if it's a thing where I'm sort of trying to get it quickly up, mm-hmm. which is not, which is actually one of the joys I think I'm going to have taking it over is I'm actually going to get to listen and enjoy the interview in an organic way there without feeling, yes. uh, you know, the clock ticking on me because I get to do it, but... The one guy, we didn't pull any clips from him, but you guys should listen to it because the guy was unbelievable, especially when he came to town and did his act at the club. But Ismo. Oh, man. Yes. I listened to that Ismo interview, Uh the whole thing front to back, Uh because I was producing it and I'm like, this thing's great. He's Uh this guy's unbelievably funny. And he came in and he is from Norway, I want to say. No, he's Finnish. Finnish. Yes. Okay. He came in the day they did the Royal Oak winter festival uh, <laughs> and, and it was snow you know we yeah. got six inches of snow that weekend and here we had this man from the <laughs> from the northland coming in really funny joke writer really unique really big comic now and, too. and I, he's blowing up yeah. so yeah i don't know when he's coming back to comedy castle but and that's a great show to check uh, out is ismo listen to, that one. Listen to that one that was super fun but let's go to a guy i know you had when uh this guy came in or we were we were talking about getting him you were sort of like, I think we're going to get this guy. I think we're going to get this guy. And again, this might have been a guy that, um, you know, emails were sent about, hey, man, we need to move a couple tickets yes. uh, to get this guy. <laughs> I know who it is. And then. he did the show. And, yeah. and the, the reason I pulled this thing, and hopefully I've got it queued up well for you. 
Oh, this is, is going to be is, painful. No, because this is a Tommy. This is a Tommy highlight, as I see it. Oh, thank you. Because you're talking about uh, Chris Kattan was in the famous uh, More Cowbell sketch, and you had a take on it. Hopefully, uh, I'll find it here. Uh, do you remember what you said to him? I'll, I'll play it. Hold on a second. Let's go. Let's go to Chris Kattan, everybody. <laughs> but someone else was playing the music, actually. So, but I did learn the chords. You know, I was. Uh, SNL does a really good job. Maybe, of, maybe I might you know, be not making sure that you look believable in sketches. You know, so they'll teach you how to dance, they'll teach you how to, you know, sing, and if it's a musical number, or, you know, and if you're playing an instrument, you know, they'll teach you how to uh, record so that you can look like you're playing. I mean, I was, <laughs> I wasn't technically, I, when I was playing. You had a you had a pretty sweet uh, you had a pretty sweet axe. I think you had a Les Paul. I don't know if G maybe if G Smith was in the Saturday Night Live band at that time if he let you borrow one, but it looked like a pretty cool yeah, axe. No, he wasn't. <laughs> the uh, yeah yeah thanks. It was not G Smith. That was way before my time. But uh, <laughs> yeah, there was a guy by the name of John Zonars actually. So okay, yeah, we worked it out before I went out there and did the Mark Cowbell sketch. Inter- interestingly enough, when the uh, hey was that was that one of the ten to midnight sketches when it originally aired? Um, yeah, well, where was it in the show? I think I, I think I didn't have the line, but you said he resembled a member of Blue Oyster Cult, oh. and he was. You said the guy's name. I don't even know who the did, hell you're did, talking did about. Dharma, yeah, probably. but, but oh, yeah, and you were God. like, and I, 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 it's in there somewhere. But did I get a reaction out of one? No, he didn't know what's fucking. He didn't. That's why I think he said the way they set you up. I don't know. I could go back, but let's. You want to oh. hear him talk a little bit more about Will Ferrell? Because that—that's where this goes. Oh, the just a little bit yeah, because it's, it's very painful another, for. I, I think it will be fun to talk. The first sketch of the night. Let's see. Oh, okay. So well, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. The uh, interestingly enough, I, I have a recollection of. I'm assuming I watched it live, but uh, I actually was a fan of Blue Oyster oh, Cult thanks to is. the Columbia House Records and Tapes Club. <laughs> and when I first, when oh, I, wow. you 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 actually kind of looked like the guitar player for Blue Oyster Cult, an old guy named Buck Dharma. Oh, really? Yeah, and I didn't know. At first, I was like, oh, are they going to do... And, and of course, as it turns out, Blue Oyster Cult had very little to do uh, with with the sketch other other than, uh, obviously, obviously, the song. Another thing, uh, and I know we've got to wrap up here, um, the that there. I learned uh, in, in, in researching for this interview and in the book is that... One of the things that became so legendary and has lived all these years from that sketch was when you kind of um, you really kind of laid into Will Ferrell physically uh, when he kind of came to, to lean over you. And isn't that what caused his like uh, his sweater to pop up and his glasses to fly off? Wasn't that you uh, actually? Well, his belly was already kind of his belly was already there appearing because he wore a small sweater. Uh, this is and, going better uh, than I remember. You know, than usual. But when I pushed him, it fell out even more. And I think it surprised Jimmy. <laughs> I think that's what made him break. So, well, there's a lot uh, of when we broke character. Yeah, I, 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 well, he asked me before, between dress and, between dress and air, uh, Will asked me if I could push him really hard. When I say my line, don't blow this for its Jeep. So I pushed him really hard. And that's when his belly fell out uh, even further. Press stop. And, uh, you know, I think he was surprised to see that I actually I can't the, listen anymore. Had the to push him over because he's a tall guy. Stop. You know, even though I'm relatively small. Like, the, is it were you saying that on the show? I had to look across the room. No, it's me saying. But stop. you had him. But you you had him laughing, and he loves to tell that story because he does tell a big, like, extended version yeah. of more cowbell on stage. Uh, so right, I, I think in retrospect, and I've I've encountered this with a few, not even necessarily big names, but it's first of all, 
we all have to respect the fact um, that these people make their living in show business. Yeah. And it is a job. Mm -hmm. And that was definitely a press junket. It had to go through like three levels of management. There was a lady chiming in a couple times uh, when when I first got in and did the. So they were probably listening to the whole thing. Oh Uh man. Um, So and and then just trying. That's just a good example of trying to make a connection, and it just doesn't always work. Um, Maybe I was harder on him in the interview than I should have been, but. He wasn't an enthusiastic participant no. in the Comedy Castle no, podcast. No. Uh, that's been the exception. Yeah. But it's difficult. You can kind of hear me dancing yeah. a little bit and saying, well, where can we go? Yeah. he And, and you know, his show, because it's funny, I, funny story about him and me was the last time he was in town, I think Jeff Dawoskin was booked to be his opening act. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And as I go, I literally, as so I think it had sold out. As I go back to do the offstage, hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Mark Ridley's Comedy Company. You know, that's the thing I do. Mm-hmm. The off is called the offstage announcement, yep. the voice of God. As I walk into the room, uh, I think Mary, the general manager, goes, uh, you're going you're gonna to emcee the show. <laughs> and I'm literally like, I've just been seating people in the showroom. There's 400 people that I've been seating with my partners there. And I'm like, uh, okay, I'll open, uh, you know. So it's literally like. Yeah. Jeff Dawaskin said my name and I walked uh-huh. out and did, you know, 15 minutes in front of him and it went really well. And I'm glad I got to, you know, perform with Chris Kattan. Uh, and I think he was happy that I did it because I did have a good set. But I think when I got back, he was like, yeah, I think Chris really wanted a clean, uh, a clean. Oh, you told me with 30 seconds before I hit the stage, oh. but, but he had a great show and I think I helped him have a great yeah. show. I think I warmed him up. You know, Jeff did a great job too. And he comes um, from a different world. He is an improv yeah, actor yeah. type and stand up. I do, you know, kind of this ties into the Mick Foley interview too. I love when lay people give stand up in the art form of stand up mm-hmm. the credit it deserves yeah. um we can be kind of self-deprecate uh, comics can be kind of self-deprecating about it and and kind of laugh off the struggle but it is difficult it is one of the more difficult mm-hmm. art forms and uh sometimes i like seeing uh you know when foley was telling that yeah. story this world famous millionaire mm-hmm. wrestler yeah. having to do just a short set yeah. in front of real comics how difficult it yeah, is yeah and Catan takes the approach of I am going to tell stories about things that you know. Right. You yeah. know about Night at the Roxbury. You know about SNL. Yeah. You know about, you know, being working with Dwayne Johnson and all yeah. those stories. That's what he does. Tom Arnold yeah. kind of did the same thing. And not, but yeah. very entertaining. Tom Arnold's show was unbelievable. Uh-huh. So entertaining, you know. And I think if you like that stuff, go see Chris. Now, I will tell you, <laughs> Chris... Appearing soon at a comedy club in Detroit, not called Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle, but you know, you oh, guys, uh, we're not uh, trying to bury that. anybody else here. We're not trying to hurt anyone else, but he is playing elsewhere. So there was, good luck um, to him. I That's show to, 40, by the way, if you I, want to listen to I wanted to finish. Um, I wanted to finish a thought before we go to the next yeah. clip is, um, you know, listening to that again and also listening to going back to some of the T.J. Miller is every interviewer has to make a decision fundamentally. How much am I going to talk? You know, I've got this guest. This right. op- how much am I going to talk? And when you, uh, if you guys could see through, through, through the magic of mm-hmm. uh, if we weren't so cheap and did the show on a <laughs> zoom or something, you could see when, when That's I got a whole, believe me, you think you have a hard time getting these people to come on the phone. Right. If you yes. tell them, Hey, we're going to video this, it's going to be a whole nother can of worms. So the, um, so anyhow, the software I use after, um, I will do a, just a little bit of prep and editing 
to the interview before mm-hmm. I send it to Joel, and it gives me my track and the guest mm-hmm. track, and I can see by yeah. the graph how much I was talking in relation yeah. to them. Well, the difficulty and the task is um, it's different with every person. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. you have to talk a little bit more than you in, it were initially inclined to so that this person knows that you are interested, you're prepared, and you're informed, and hopefully that will get them going. Yeah, well, and I think to me the best shows is when it's about 50-50. Uh-huh. And that's because you're good. Mm-hmm. Now, if you sucked, mm-hmm. I would go, would you shut up? I want to hear, you know, whatever. <laughs> I mean, Mick Foley, for example – just keeps talking, yeah. you know, it's hard to get, but he's great, you know, so it's kind of the format that that takes. But, you know, for a lot of the guys that maybe aren't as famous, it's you having a conversation. Your stories are always interesting. Let me tell you, I bombed in this place. You ever I was doing this again. <laughs> and I love hearing that stuff, Yeah, you know. Uh, so I think that's good. And, and, you know, again, if you were just, you know, it's not a show where, you know, it's not morning radio. Right. Where it's just, oh, tell me about, yeah. uh-huh. Uh-huh. and, you know, um, I know because I hear your prep. There are occasionally things where somebody will say, "I want to tell this story about that," or yep. you know, because when uh-huh. I I'll, when I said when I take these comics to morning radio, uh-huh. those morning DJs are like, uh, "What do you got for us today?" Well, yeah. I, mean, I got this thing about COVID, and then uh, you know, yeah. my mother in law was in town, and then you know, the morning DJ is like, "Wow." It's- a lot of family visiting around the holidays. Any family coming to your town, uh, Tom McCarthy? He's like, as a matter of fact, my, you know, and it's, it's I just, so corny and you can feel them shoehorning these setups into the interview, you know, and you don't really do any of that. So it's nice. I just, I just had a thought of probably the most out of proportion interview ever guest to me was the Shane Moss interview. Okay. Oh. 10% me, 90% okay. Shane. Yeah. Yeah. He's a tr- and Shane I love, is. Yeah. I, you know, I opened for him a couple times. Okay. Uh, I think I emceed once and featured for him at, both at the castle. And I found the guy so fascinating. I loved his earlier stuff, but he's gone. He's gone guns a blazing okay. on this alternate, uh, you know, he's did, an advocate did, of uh, acid basically. Did you do his, so he came to town and I think, the Wednesday he did the Shane Moss science show. Did you we see that? We talked about that. No, you? but we, we okay. did talk about, it. I think he was most interested in promoting that versus yeah. his regular, because you know, he does his regular stand up show on the weekend. And I think they mm-hmm. gave him the Wednesday to do. So he brings in local. So every time he does this, it's different people, local uh-huh. college professors that are in science, medicine, uh-huh. that kind of stuff. He brought in some people that, Watching paint dry would have been exciting compared to some of these people listening to this guys came on and, you know, these people are not entertainers Mm -hmm. and they're sitting in a chair with 300 people watching them at the comedy castle intoxicated. And he had some guy from the University of Michigan with a giant long white beard that I swear to God, I 300, the sound of 300 people napping. Basically, it was talking about, basically talking about microdosing. Yeah, and, and and it's all, just, yeah. Or just whatever trips these guys would go on about the thing that they really cared about yeah. that nobody in the world, maybe aside from their students and even probably them are obligated to take this class for the credit, give a shit about. And yeah. here you have 300 people wanting to see comedy and they're talking about, oh, was, I mean... Shane is is funny, but that show for me did not work as an audience. As yeah. and I'm working, I'm not right. really nice, but I can my imagine. goodness, he's a great example though of, of of again of the favorite things that 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 have come into my life. Yeah, uh, comedy in general. This show specifically is just eccentric, far out people. Yeah, he is. And he turned me on to a really cool rapper named Deltron Three Thousand. Oh, yeah. What that I said? that I listen to to this day. I could play him, but then it's going to be 
it's going to be a copyright. Copyright? Right? No, shit. We don't have the resources. We don't. We cannot. Mark Ridley will not be happy. Yes. And with, with, with um, yeah, so we won't. Uh, All right. Well, let's go to another clip because when you talk well, about X, I think I don't know if I said this. Chris Kattan was show number forty, by the way. If you want to hear, yes, Chris Kattan. 29-minute show with the intro and the outro. So there's a <laughs> – you might have set the record on that one. Um, when you talk about eccentricity and comedy genius, because those two go often hand in hand, um, we already mentioned his name, but it, does anybody live up to that more than Dave Attell? Oh, Dave does Attell. Does it? And Dave Attell. we got Dave on the show. I remember it was a very exciting day because you were sitting right there. We did it in, the, in this room. You remember? Yes, that's yes. right. And you'll hear me if you listen to the Dave Teller interview. It's uh, wasn't this kind of early 30, on? Thirty-two. This was pri- pre-pandemic, so pre- yeah, like November of nineteen. Yeah, uh, it's sometime in nineteen, and I, I forget the date exactly. But it's show number thirty-two. If you want to listen to it, and then uh, his opener, Louis Katz, talked to you as well oh, on that. Dude, and yeah. Louis, Louis, cool too. But um, it's honestly when I was listening back to this. I'm just going to play stuff, and we'll hear it. There is a bit towards the end where he talks about Detroit, and it, and it's really interesting. But let's play. Let's send the great you Dave Attell. The little Dave Attell. All right. Again, I'm playing. I'm just part of your career is like, oh, the Daily Show days or the SNL days. You're asking if the, he misses you know, the old now. days. Is it something that you, you you just move forward and you're doing your new thing? No, I'm I'm having more fun now than I ever did in comedy because. Like I said, I'm old, and a lot of things that used to like us stress me out and bother me don't bother me. There's whole new stressors, you know. Now it's about it's a real business, you know. It's not there for the party. I don't drink anymore. I don't. I don't do anything. I gotta, you know, I gotta take care of my mother. That's you know, right. pretty much a big, I guess, defining of how much I'm on the road and you know how much how much work I need. But uh, other than that, no, I don't really look back at any of that stuff and go like. Uh, I, I like anybody else. I wish I had done all that stuff better. You know, right. I'm pretty. Um, I'm pretty. Uh, uh, I, I guess you could say. Uh, it, you know, I, I really, I really think that growth comes from being critical on yourself and like, you know, listening to my own tapes and stuff like that. That's a really the job of it. Of like, oh my god, I can't believe it. I'm listening to an old tape. I'm still telling the same joke or that joke worked a year ago. Why isn't it working? So that's the kind of world that I live in in terms of like looking back and uh there's a lot of things that i wish i had done in terms of taking advantage of i guess the opportunities i had but at the end of the day like i knew i would be on the road pretty much all the time and uh now the way things are with the road you know every week you have to really like step it up and promote it hard and make sure that the people know that they're gonna that you're gonna be there because even with all this interconnection there's still like the guy at the airport, like, what were you doing in town? I didn't know you were at the club. You know, it's still like that kind of weird, you know, I guess you could say did not sync up thing happening. But uh, you can go through each credit and I can tell you, like, I'm not an actor. I'm not really a writer. You know, I like jokes and I like writing jokes. And I think that we live in a world now where, like, jokes are are um, either, like, people think they're not genuine or they're, um, you know, uh, I guess you could say, it doesn't get to the heart of uh, right. this, uh, you know, issue-oriented world we live in, or they think of them as just like, oh, anybody can write a joke. Well, I'll tell you right now, writing a joke is difficult, yes. and I think you know this as a guy who knows yeah. comedy, that, like, there's some people who know how to write a joke, there's some people who don't know how to write a joke, and that uh, the crowd, at least my crowd, appreciates a joke. I know that. Yeah. So Yeah, it was uh, very thoughtful que- inter- answers to your questions, and uh Really smart what, stuff. What an awesome comic. Yeah. Great guy. 
I was nervous for that one. That was, you know, I guess we had already been doing the show for yeah. what, maybe a year or so. What yeah. interview was that? Do you have it written down? Uh, what number? 32. Okay. Number so 32. we had. So uh, probably at, first year, you know, yeah. At that point once in week, time, yeah. he would have been our, our, our biggest and, guest. And then I've got this uh, clip later because it was unique where Dave was at the time. Because oh. it certainly sounded like he was walking down the street. Let's play this. I, I, I don't remember. Here. Yeah. Crowds, you can always just he's, tell a Detroit he's talking crowd to Detroit, they about want, Detroit. Yeah. They want, they want it. You know, oh, they don't want you to pull right. back. They want it hard, and I like that. And I think the connection I have with you guys is definitely like that. Which is, you know, this is a, it's a late drinking town. Even though I don't drink anymore, mm-hmm. I totally love that they go out and they have a great one. It doesn't matter if it's twenty <laughs> below zero. Sirens in New York you know, City. You guys will sit, you know, online and get into a club, you know, with no coat, or you'll be just walking around with an open bottle in front of a tire <laughs> fire. It doesn't matter. You guys want to have a good time. <laughs> Last question. And this, uh, when, when people found out we had the great Dave Attell on this oh, week's this show, the most, uh, the most asked question this is, is my contribution. what do you use for lube? <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> well, I'll give away some of my stuff. <laughs> I'm a little old now, so um, I don't even believe it's called lube. Uh <laughs> Well, it would be more of a uh, – uh, I'll tell you what I'm not into. I'm not into any of this, uh, you know, uh, I guess you could say uh, CBD <laughs> stuff, which right. is seems to be the new the new thing for everything, the new go-to. It's like, oh, have you tried CBD? Have you done the CBD? So I go classic. I do whatever the hotel calls shampoo. That's my loop. <laughs> There's Dave Attell. Wow. So funny. You know, thinking about just it, how much the comedy world's changed since that interview, I remember – and I came out to one of the shows that weekend. And for, uh-huh. um, I don't know if I had seen Attell live before that weekend. But anyway, the bravery in his act well, in yeah. today's world yeah. to say, but it's funny. It's he goes great, after, yeah. and, and it's funny. That's a yeah. common denominator. Right. And think about, think about the number of conversations of these hundred and twenty-five uh, Comedy Castle episodes uh-huh. or um, podcast. I, I would say about a hundred of them we touch on the subject of being a comic today, yeah. and 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 and. The woke culture and offending people yeah. and, you know, the job is to be funny and entertain. And that comes in a lot of different shapes and forms. And let's hope that people like David Tell keep doing their thing. And, and it's funny, to, you know, being at the club most nights like I am working the door and stuff is that the amount of people I mean, you could for me, I mean, I perform, you know, I've been a comic or, you know, at the castle, either as a comic or the doorman for 24 years, not 20, 24 wow. years next year. Um, the number of people that have walked out because they were offended that we know about, you know, that Uh people and people may kept it quiet and walked out. People could have uh, sent a comment through Yelp or Google Mm -hmm. and said this comedian offended me or send an email. The number of people that have walked out, you can count on one hand. Yeah. That have been like, I don't like your joke. I'm leaving. I'm offended. Mm -hmm. So for all these people who clutch their pearls and say, I'm going to be offended by stand up comedy and I don't like this stuff. When it comes down to it, most people, if they don't like the joke, they don't laugh. Yeah. And the worst punishment for any comedian, the thing that will destroy a comedian and make him feel worse than anything else you could do to them is to just not laugh when they tell a joke. <laughs> yeah. That is the most painful thing in the world. Yes. You want to throw a beer at their head and try to injure them or punch them in the stomach as they walk <laughs> off stage. Nothing hurts no. as much as silence to a stand-up I, comedian. I experienced that for almost an hour straight a week ago <laughs> or two weeks ago. Uh, so, yes, it's fresh. In my yeah. mind. I mean, so, yeah, when you talk about politically correct culture and people are, you know, uh, they're going to come to the club and you're going to say something. And, and look, there are comedians that 
have acts that probably shouldn't be out there doing right. it, or they're very narrow focused. They're they're only trying to appeal to uh, really strict right wing conservative maybe right. type yeah. people, and they're going to say things. Comedy Castle doesn't generally book those kind of acts, uh-huh. so I, I want people to feel safe when they come to the club that they are going to see acts that Mark Ridley has watched. He yeah. watches these people. He watches their you know they submit tapes. Mark watches them. They have managers and agents. They've appeared on the Tonight Show. We're not. You're not going to see edge lords at the comedy no, castle, no. you know. And look, open mic, you never know. Yeah, you never know what you're going to see on open mic. And we, I've certainly seen wackos <laughs> on open mic, but people go, oh, okay, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. No one's really offended by it. Last time I saw you, I'm glad you said that because it just brought. This is the first time I saw you since I did the mic about three weeks okay. ago. Yeah. And uh, I won't name names, but Joel said to one of the acts coming <laughs> off, and I quote, "What the fuck was that?" <laughs> god if i could remember who that was Uh, it's just part of my lifetime it's just like what the fuck but here's the thing for me too is that i would have to be comfortable with that person right and feel like that comment is constructive Uh and not destructive because i know that that can hurt somebody but it's probably somebody you could tell me the name now if you want if you don't have to but it's probably somebody that i've seen be really funny in the past right and then i go to them what the fuck was that? Like, why didn't you do the thing that you did before? That was really funny. Yeah. That's probably, I mean, that's what I'm guessing was my reaction to it. <laughs> I, I, you know, er, earlier, you know, two people, obviously very influential in the, the Detroit comics community, but on myself specifically, um, some of the best criticism I ever received, it was constructive, but it was legitimate. Mm-hmm was Mark Ridley way back when when okay, I first started yeah. harassing him with clips uh-huh. and you know what I was not yeah. I was not ready mm. for the comedy castle yeah. I'm disappointed I didn't get booked mm. but he gave me some constructive criticism yeah. straight up yeah. um and then Bill Bouchard okay, you know yeah, I never took course. Bill's classes I don't yeah. know uh I, I know they're terrific and and and, and, uh, and by the way January 7th his new round starts yeah. as well as the advanced comedy class with me there you go I was going to promo 7th. it anyway. yeah we'll get into it but um I wrote it down <laughs> Just back in the day when when Bill was kind of running the showroom at Joey's, uh, you know, just kind of pulled me aside after a rather humbling set and gave me some constructive criticism that I really took to heart. Um, So you do need that. It is very necessary. And what people learn in comedy is that take the advice, at least try it. Right. It's not about, you know, I mean, people, comics don't success. If you're a success, if I'm a veteran comedian. Mm hmm. I have no reason no ob- to, to, to want you to fail as a new mm-hmm. comedian. What you find out is that your peers, the people that you're coming up with, really would love for you to quit. Yeah. They'd really like for you to not be on this. If, you're, if you have any yeah. talent at all, they would like you to disappear. Yeah. But if you're a veteran, you're looking for new good opening acts. Uh-huh. You're looking for good people that you know, maybe can have some connection that they could get you into, you know, if they're smart or something. So if you just take that advice, and that was Bill Hildebrand for me, Uh you know, in a lot of ways, Billy Ray Bauer, Norm Stoltz, even, you know, my contemporaries like Bill Bouchard, Uh been doing a little bit longer than me, Sal D'Amelio, Corey Hall, Uh those guys all gave me advice. Mm -hmm. Some of it I took, some of it I didn't, but I would try stuff. And some of it made the show, and, and, you know, I go, you might as well do it this way. Just do it this way, do it once. See if it's better than the way you're doing it. And people don't get that. They don't, they want to, they, I guess they feel like it's, they've got it all figured out or it's not, 
like it doesn't evolve. Like right. comedy does not usually, you know, you it, it's in your brain. You write it down. You say it the first time. It's not going to be that thing usually forever. No. It needs to evolve. It needs to change. It's what a humbling, wonderful, what a, what a wonderfully <laughs> humbling art form. Um, well, can I? That's a nice segue to the next clip. Sure. Uh, this is a guy who uh, I know I just mentioned some Bill Hildebrand, some people. Corey Hall not around. This fella uh, may be the only guest who's no longer with us, I believe. Oh, yeah. And that's a good friend of yours, Ricarlo Flanagan. Mm. And uh, we lost Ricarlo to COVID, right? Uh, yep. Not that long into the whole uh, crisis, right? So um, very sad. And, and Ricarlo was becoming known for acting and was on it was on was, things were happening for him yeah. shameless, shameless i know yeah. he was i don't know if he was like a semi-regular on that but yeah. he was uh doing things that way super talented comedian you did the whole interview with him it's it's actually interview number uh it was kind of early on lucky 13 uh yeah. having nothing to do with anything but there it is number 13 but Ricarlo talks about uh, an incident that uh, he was known for <laughs> yes oh good i'm glad you pulled so that let's one. let's uh let's try to get you over to Ricarlo Flanagan, I got again. I got to fast forward on the little thing here, and then uh, we'll let him tell you the story. Here's your time. I hope I can grab a beer with you. But do you find a lot of demands on your time when you come back to Detroit, or do you have downtime? What do you do? Well, first of all, thanks. I appreciate you saying that, man. Um, I uh, when I'm in Detroit, I try to get with everybody oh. that I remember from the scene because. Those people were responsible, really, I think, for me uh, being the the comic that I wanted to be because they really taught me so much. You know what I'm saying? Like, living with Chris Peters, he was he was a, a, a heavy influence because he was really just, uh, he knew the Michigan scene, you know, and guys like Michael Keith, Trevor Smith, and yeah. uh, Nate Fritz. And I remember seeing Nate Fritz when I first started doing comedy, uh, I would do open mics at this place called the Tower Inn, and um, I would see him there, Russell Rabb, I would see, this, it's so many, just like, you know, seeing you at, at the, in Ann Arbor, mm-hmm. and then seeing you at the castle, you know, we, yeah. we would go to the open mic there, and, you know, Kev would give that speech in the back before the show, <laughs> and, you know, get that whole, I would, yeah. <laughs> now, I gotta fast forward, because it's, I, I had the wrong time queued up, but. Here it is, the, the story that I was trying to... Hold on, while you're finding oh, okay, that. Okay, yeah, yeah, I think I, I got, got it now. The Kevin Wheeler speech. Oh, Kevin Wheeler, yeah. Oh, speech. my goodness. One of my... It's just <laughs> so funny. If I ever do a screenplay about comedy, <laughs> this will be in it. But uh, Kevin um, Kevin worked at the castle for yeah. years. Really good guy. Helped me. Another guy I can recall some constructive criticism uh, that, that he gave me early on. Mm-hmm. But he would um, gather all the comics on that that open mic at the castle. He would gather us in the green room. It was mandatory yeah, back yep. then. And he would give us a little speech that was so matter-of-fact. And it, the, <laughs> the gist of it was, he would say, you know, I mean, do what you're going to do, but remember – it's 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 mostly a PG to PG thirteen type thing. So if you're gonna, you know, what we don't want to hear is we don't, you know, we don't want to hear, you know, fuck your grandma or fuck your grandma in the ass or you know, he would say that, and then literally you could see some guys grabbing their notebook, crossing stuff out. All right, well, I'm gonna do three minutes instead of six. So 
All right, let's see if we got this Ricardo okay. story here. Uh, for fetish, you know, I'm like, damn, what is this dude? Oh, my God, I know. <laughs> this dude been from Vietnam. so <laughs> polished and professional there. And then, yeah, I actually asked him about it one time, and he said that, you no, know, someone led with that. Someone's first time on the castle stage. Oh, they thought it would be a great idea to... Uh, to do some Dang. comedy about sodomizing your grandmother with very uh, same, same, same details. Yeah, I'm not saying I wouldn't eventually get there, but not on my first time. <laughs> that just tickles me, oh, man. Laugh, man. Yeah, that's so great. Hey. Just a, man, that dude, had, it's like open mics were Vietnam for him. Hey, um, you know. I've got something special up my sleeve from when you're in town. Myself and some of the old crew are going to take you out to the dedication. We uh, we pulled together some some dough and commissioned an artist who has done a bronze sculpture of you choking a heckler, and it has been erected on jo- uh, on Joy Road in front of the old Joey's, or excuse me, on Plymouth Road. It is an amazing rendition. It's got it, it's got the veins popping out of his skull and the the, the strong clasp of your hands. <laughs> some people, this is somewhat of an inside joke, but you know there was so much there was so much to that. I was there that night, and you know what what I took it. It's first of all, I felt like doing it many times, and the fact that I haven't, you know, I've got a little bit of. A, I'm a mild cat until you push yeah. my button. I always pictured you that way too. I. I can go years of just being mellow, but you get my Irish up and the point of no, re- I can't get it back. I go nuts. And we've all encountered yeah. drunk assholes, but that guy, I think years of being an artist and having people shit on your art came out and enough was enough. And he was a drunk asshole too. Man, he... Well, you know, that particular incident, from what I heard, you know, I can neither confirm or deny if this story is true, but from what I've heard, uh, that guy was heckling every comedian that went up. Yeah. You know, he he was relentless at an open mic. You know, this is an open mic where people are trying to develop their craft, they, you know, yeah, we're not. We may not be the best in the world at this point, but this is how we become the best by practicing our craft. And here you are, you know. Uh, ladies are going up there. You know, they're trying their best. Here you go, making them even more nervous than they already were. You know, you're yelling at them. They can't really handle heckle. like an expert. You know, so you just ruin the quality of the show. People in the audience can't even enjoy it. And it's just like, man, you know, I was in the back watching all of this. You know, allegedly, I was, you know, that from what I heard, I was watching this. And, uh, it was your you know, hologram was straight off. Uh, you had just, uh, your hologram had just done a set at Coachella the weekend before, and your hologram was in town, is what I heard. It was, they didn't know, you know, Dr. Dre was, was ahead of his time back then. He had made a hologram of me. Oh, my God. Uh, listening to this dude heckle people unnecessarily, and he, you know, when, when when my hologram got on stage and started to tell jokes, <laughs> I couldn't even, you know, the hologram couldn't even get a word out <laughs> without this guy, you know, yep. uh, you know, hacking. And so, and then he rushes the stage because, you know, the hologram told him, hey, man, you know, you might want to relax, you know. <laughs> and he gets up toward the stage and I don't know what happened, man. But Ricardo <laughs> was a big guy. <laughs> it looked like the hologram blacked out and just kind of, next thing you know, 
people were saying stop, you know, like it was like a whole group of, <laughs> of people oh. around and that he got crazy, you know what I mean? Fucker, he learned his lesson. I guarantee if that kid, if that guy's got kids now, he can't even clap at a piano recital. <laughs> he's got so much, he's got so much, Scott, you talk about PTSD, man. That, that dude can't even stand for the anthem anymore. He's just af- afraid yeah. of doing anything oh, in public. Man. All right. <laughs> that's well, good. That's a great story, man. It's a legendary well, open. I wasn't there, but... I take it you were then. You were at the yeah, Joe's. Yeah, it was, okay. at, it was at Joey's. And he Wednesday, had to, Tuesday open mic? What was that? Uh, I don't yeah, know, I whatever so, it was yeah. back then. But he, um, you know, the community kind of protected him and gave him some, you know, he could have gotten into some peril there. Oh, uh, sure, yeah. So he was very underground for a while there. But, <laughs> you know, and I, I we're, we're going to kind of wrap uh, today on uh, hopefully an uplifting note, but we are going to. Um, do something that's long overdue and just kind of uh, publicly acknowledge and say some words on some of the uh, close friends we've lost in the time yeah. of this podcast and the, and the community has. But uh, an interesting story about that Ricarlo interview and, and finding out about his death was that week's guest was an L.A.-based comic okay. named Michael Malone. Yeah. And unbeknownst to me... Michael um, and Ricarlo were very close friends. Okay. And as part of my show prep for Michael Malone, um, I was watching his most recent special. Mm-hmm. And the person who goes, ladies and gentlemen, Michael Malone, oh, really? guy's like, God, that sounds like Ricarlo. And then the opening credits and yeah. closing credits in the green room, there's Ricarlo. Okay. So nice. Michael Malone and I just get in this impromptu conversation about a mutual friend, small mm-hmm. world. Yeah. This was on a Monday. Yeah. On Tuesday... Um, I was, um, I was coming off the golf course of all places and I get a text from you. What happened with Ricarlo? And I thought it was something regarding the interview or something. Did I say something? Was there you something? would have sent it to me at that point. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, I was like, I don't know. And, and you were like, I heard he died. And mm. I was like, I mean, it just floored me. It, it yeah. floored me. Yeah. I think it, I didn't know that you didn't know because no. you were, yeah. And, you know, he, uh, I, I just have so many great things to say about the guy and great memories. There's a, uh, we did, uh, I think the week or two weeks after he passed, mm-hmm. we did a really nice yeah, kind of, yeah. we replayed that. Right, yeah, that entirety. was 13 was the original appearance. And then I, I forget what the tribute was, but sometime in October of 21. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, the guy put it, paid his dues. He was a true artist. He was a great actor. He was a great rapper. Um, things were happening for him. And unfortunately this terrible pandemic that's Mm -hmm. affected all of us, that, that one, uh, obviously really hit home. But, um, so my thoughts were when I, I definitely, uh, wanted to play a clip from Ricarlo and kind of set up, we had discussed, and this more falls on me, but Mm -hmm. several times when we lost Corey, yeah, when we lost Bill and I should say, even though I was friends with him and did money shows, you lost Corey. You lost, but those yeah. were true losses for you. Yeah, they were my two best friends good in friends. comedy. Good people, uh, very good friends. But when you talk about like specifically, our which comedians were my best friends? Those were the two guys. Yeah, yeah. and uh, that might be what killed him, Joel. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, don't get too close to me, Tom, because it's not good. We had kind of discussed. Oh gosh, we should do uh, kind yeah, of a, in, 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 in memoriam like they do at the Oscars, and then even guys that that, that some people don't know if you were in the community. Um, there were other Marty Smith, a sweet old yeah, guy yeah, out of Marty Ann Arbor. Uh, Bobby Bain, a sweet mm. comic. I think Bobby Bain was uh, COVID related too. But yeah. well, Walter Pukram, and I'm yeah. not even sure if Walter died of COVID, yeah. but it was in that 
time frame. Uh, Walter was a really unique, funny guy. One of my students. And of course, um, and of course, we're, we're I'm sure we're leaving people out, not intentionally. But yeah. the point that I kind of wanted to make with mentioning it today on my last episode and the fact that we almost kind of sort of did a in in memoriam episode mm-hmm. is part of the part of the theme of the show that that I've tried building and I know you'll continue is just the sense of community the sense of the comedy castle does not exist in a bubble mm-hmm. it's part of a really cool community of fascinating and artistic people the number of comics that the average listener has never heard of who could kill a, a mm-hmm. room a bar set yeah um there's just a lot of really talented people and they come into your life and then all of a sudden, and both Bill and Corey and Ricarlo, those mm-hmm. three are examples of yeah. larger than life. People. Absolutely. Yeah. And when they go, it's, it's incomprehensible. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. It's, it's just a thing that you expect them to be there. You know, like yeah. you, I expect to do comedy and if anything in comedy ever happened, there was news about like there was news this week about a, a, a booker who ripped people off. I don't know if uh-huh. you heard that story. Having nothing to do with Comedy Castle, but it was a guy, Michigan uh-huh. promoter, didn't pay this really famous comedian, owes him a bunch of money. And that's the gossip. Oh, and my boy. phone would ring. It would be Corey Hall. Yeah. What's what do you know about this guy? Yeah. Who is this piece of garbage uh-huh. that's not paying? Blah, blah, blah. And you just hear these stories mm-hmm. and just, you just shooting the shit with him. And, you know, Bill Hildebrand would always love to hear about it. Yeah. Hey, who's, who's been at the castle? Come on, Fragment. Tell me who's <laughs> over there. I bet you he sucked. I worked with him in Vegas. I hated that fucking guy. Tell me. And, you know, and you, you yeah. swap those stories. But, uh, you know, it's just it's so hard that um, that friendship thing, you know, when you don't. Because when you get started in comedy, you make friends. You right. make friends. You go down the road with them. You do shows with them. They're yeah. always there. And then there's a point when either those guys stop doing comedy, guys pass away, whatever it is, where you're sort of like, you know, I'm doing comedy. I don't even know these guys that are opening for me. Never yeah. heard of them. Or I'm yeah. opening for some guy mm-hmm. from Wisconsin who I don't know. Yeah. And you try to make small talk while you're sitting at the bar waiting to go on. But it's just not the same. No. And and it really sort of it sort of becomes... Uh, comedy, the more, the longer you're in it, kind of the lonelier it gets in a way. You know, you meet yeah. more people, but you don't have those really close connections that you had when you started out. All of your friends either quit or move on. Yeah. yeah. And then all of a sudden you're the old guy at the yeah. open mic, you know. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I knew, uh, I knew Corey better than I knew Bill. Yeah. Um, Bill was always really cool to me. Uh, very, his, his act was an act. Yeah. You know, he was, a, he was really kind of a sweet, kind guy. Oh, and then Hildebrand all of a sudden, was, boom, yeah. the lights go up, the lights go down and, you know, yeah. he becomes a guy on stage. But Corey, I, and, and I and I said this to him while he was still around. I encourage everyone to say a kind word to people while they're in your life mm-hmm. and can hear it. Is that um, his bravery to run his mouth? He oh, was yeah. accountable. He people people run their mouths now with impunity because mm-hmm. of social media. Yeah, he did it the old school way. <laughs> he ran his mouth, but was accountable. He did, for and it. it got him into trouble sometimes. But you know, he always. Wanted to be funny. And and yeah. when you talk about, you know, guys who are funny off stage uh-huh. and, and you know this, I mean, this is one of the truths about comedy. There are guys that just are not funny off. stage. I mean, yeah. they could go on stage it's and crazy. kill for an hour. But in the green room, you try yeah. to make any kind of funny thing. Mm-hmm. And this guy's got nothing. It's just so weird. Some guys just are not built that way. Corey was complete opposite. Off stage, yeah. the guy was just an absolute riot. Now, yeah. 
he did have to like you and respect you or right. else you would be the target of his humor right, yes. a lot of times early on. Uh, you know, until he respected you, you might be the victim yeah. of sort of that mean streak that he had. But once he liked you and he respected you, he was a bulldog and he'd fight for you. And, you know, no one could say anything bad about you in front of him because it would get back to me or whatever. Right. You know, he really, and he, you know, he loved the castle mm-hmm. and Mark and him, you know, part of, you know, Corey's high school friend was Ryan Ridley, Mark's son. Yeah. Yeah. And so Corey had really deep ties to the comedy castle and Mark's family and was just, you know, always on the lineup. Yeah. Always on the lineup. Uh, when Dave Attell came to town for years and years, it was Corey in front of Attell. You know, well, he was prideful um, and protective yeah. of the art form. So, too. I mean, that's why Mark, he would, Mark know. gave him the best spots. You yeah. know, I mean, Corey really didn't headline the comedy castle. I don't think he might have done once, but he whoever the big name coming in. And if they had an act that Mark thought Corey's act would go with that, he got that spot. You yeah. know, um, so just a tremendous loss there. And people knew him from his writing and his mm. movie reviews for Metro Times. And it was on Fox things. 2. I love Fox his, 2 for his, years his and Fox years. Fox 2 reviews. reviews. And so, yeah, Corey, giant loss. And um, just too many people, man. Comics, mm. uh, you know, we, we, we got a shelf life, a lot of us. <laughs> I mean, look, there's guys that are, you know, Al April comes to the club and he's in his yeah. 80s. Yeah. And you, you love to see Al. Guy's hilarious, you know. But, you know, there's guys dying in their 40s and 50s and... It's a yeah, tough stuff. It's it's a tough. People don't always take care of themselves. Yeah, you're on the road. Yeah. The, the the stress. Yeah. Um, but it is. You know, I wanted to mention those people, and there and there. Unfortunately, it's just the cycle of life. There will be more. Yeah. Uh, there will be more. But uh, say a kind word while they're in front of you. <laughs> uh, well, look, man. How many times do you get to say, you know, famous comics? Well, well doing the show. Well, you'll be. Oh, I interviewed that guy. Yeah, You know, you'll be able to say that going down the road at some yeah. point when, you know, I mean, I, one of the great things about being associated with the comedy cast, I got to have dinner with Norm McDonald after a show. Yeah. How I mean, that? how great is that? You know, yeah. it was unbelievable. And, you know, Norm passed away and how many people can say that they got to have dinner with Norm, you know? Yeah. Think unbelievable. about that wall. You know, I worked year. with Gilbert Gottfried, um, you know, another guy we lost, you know, but, you know, I never met Bob Saget, but, you know, the guys that did, you know, we had Mike Young at the club the other night. He was That's his opening show, act for years. Mike, years. Yeah, oh, Mike yeah, Young that Bob show. Saget tribute show, Mike Young. Yeah, that was That terrific. was a tremendous show. What other good ones? I mean, we did so many that were just. It's all running together. Yeah, I'm going amazing, to I'm, I'm get more sentimental uh, than ama- I amazing, amazing Jonathan and Kevin Lapine oh. talking about Amazing Jonathan. You got to listen to that show. Man, that's unbelievable show. This, um, as you may be able to tell, we're riffing this, but yeah, a lot of things are kind of coming flooding back to me. But you know, the bottom line is, I think I'll, I think I'll finish on this. Obviously, thank you for, uh, you know, my gear and my my tech savvy sucks. You've heard me mention <laughs> on the show. I will send, I will send Joel clips that are barely audible, and boom, yeah. you know, he he finds well, a way to make them sound good. It's but, gotten better over the years because listening yeah. back to some of those yeah. early ones were a little rough today, but but I I, I thank uh, I thank you and I'm appreciative of everything you do, and I obviously it goes without saying to thank uh, thank Mark Ridley and uh, for for him sending me all these contacts and mm-hmm. reinforcing the weight of just CC yeah. Mark Ridley on an email yeah, to yeah, a manager true. means a lot, and then Couldn't you know the show without him, everyone at the cr- club who. Uh, you don't always hear their names, but one of the reasons that club is as good as it is is they've got great people there. So obviously, thank you to Bill Lodge and Mary Coyle, uh, Dave, Christina, mm. gosh, uh, 
Naomi. Naomi. Yes. Um, everyone, everyone, uh, Andre, uh, and, and people that I'm forgetting. It's just such a pleasure. It's it's weird when when you when you get the privilege of, of, of start playing the comedy castle and you're at you're at the comedy castle in the first week in December. And then you're in Fort Wayne the second week of December. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh, my God, Cinderella's yeah. ball is over. Yeah. You know, is the PA going to work? Is the show going to start on time? Who do I check in with? Yeah. Is How quickly can I get this check to the bank? You know, um, it's it's just been such a pleasure. I thank all of our listeners. Uh, I've, I get more, I don't know if you would call it recognized, mm. but especially when I'm at the club, I have more people come up and talk to me now about the show than yeah. they do about my act. Yeah. Right? Yeah, um, I, know, I, I know a lot of comedians listen to the show, yeah. so we got to thank those guys who just yep. want to get to know the headliners better, yep. and that's what this show has done for the last mm-hmm. four years, was really get everybody uh, familiarized with people that maybe they didn't know. Because I'll tell that to my students. I listen to Comedy Castle Podcast. Mm-hmm. You want to know what to talk to this? If you're going to come to the show, you want to meet the headliner, you want to have some icebreaker, something yeah. to talk to about. Oh, I heard you on the podcast. We're just talking about this. Yeah, It's a great way to do it. And, you know, the audience that comes out every week, uh, we have regulars that come out every single week. Yeah. Uh, you know, like a Thursday night, we'll have three, three or four tables and it's the same people. That's awesome. And they come to our Thursday show. Doesn't matter who it is. That's awesome. So we got to thank people like that and everyone that got to see, you know, I know this year, uh, talking to Mark a few weeks ago, just the bounce back from the pandemic really happened this year. Yes, it did. And packed houses. I mean, this Mm -hmm. week we talked about Matthew Broussard, um, you know, sold out on a Thursday, Mm -hmm. both Friday shows. And then we got New Year's Eve on top of that on a Saturday night, which doesn't happen all that much. Right. So just a tremendous week to end the year. Um, I know there's going to be a lot more Sunday and Tuesday and Wednesday mm-hmm. special events, one-nighters. Hopefully we can get some of those people on this show going forward um, because, you know, that's a thing I know that comes up. It's like, oh, you're a TikTok guy. Now you're doing comedy. And oh, I, that's a lot of the acts that are coming down the pike. I, and, uh, I'm leaving the show guys. in good shape for yeah. you, my friend. You were born on third base. <laughs> You're a great example of someone born on third base. You well, can't fuck this up. Tom, on a personal note, it's really been a pleasure working with you all these Thank years. You, and uh, I know we're going to be talking because I'm going to go like, what do you do when the guy doesn't respond? Who <laughs> who do I go to next? Is it the PR person? Is it the manager? Who am I trying to get a hold of? Um I know at least in the short term and maybe in the long term, I want to thank uh, you and your son for the music. Yes. That will continue as part of uh, Comedy Castle podcast until uh, until I learn how to properly play an instrument and can record my own. <laughs> that will maybe be the music going forward for a long time. Um, but you've done a great job, dude, and it will not be uh, all those shows are up. If there's a week that I can't get a hold of somebody and I got to pull an archived interview, we'll oh, be yeah. hearing some more Tommy. Oh. Down the road, I get a nickel for every time someone <laughs> hits play. But uh, and there is also, and I, I think we've talked about it before. There is a in the vaults. There is one show that yeah. was sent to the Disney vaults yeah. for reasons that I don't think we're going to discuss. But someday it, we will. I, I, it, I don't want to. <laughs> there's a couple that I want to gossip about, but yeah, I don't want to handcuff you. Of oh. Yeah, uh, I don't know if you should go on the show because they'll talk shit about you if it doesn't go. But there's an episode that never aired. Oh, yes, they did. Well, I think it actually, if you jumped on it like for a day, you might have gotten it. Might have been it. Up for 24 and here's hours. what I will tell you is I got, I don't know if I got an email or a text or what communication. I'm on a cruise ship. Yes. With my, and with I was my in family. Too, yeah. And I get a message 
We got to take the show down. <laughs> now, if anybody knows anything about a cruise ship, I'm heading into the main dining room. Yeah. You know what that means on a cruise ship? I'm with a party of eight. That's, that's my <laughs> girlfriend's family. We're on this cruise. And I'm literally waiting to go into the main dining room. And I'm on my phone. And I'm like, I've got to pull a show down. Yeah. What the hell? And I was lucky enough to be able to do it. But the show go did for go an up. Isaac, uh, yeah. Gopher and Isaac brought you your laptop. And you can <laughs> control alt So that was quite a thing that happened. But there is a show in the vault. Hopefully one yeah. day we'll get to run there, that. There's one show that lasted seven minutes. It's... Uh, <laughs> But, yeah, we won't talk shit about yeah. that. Well, all right, we've gabbed enough. This has been a blast. It yes. has been a blast the last four years. Make sure you come to the castle. Check out a show. Again, 248-542-9900 and the Comedy Castle website, comedycastle.com. And I thank you to all of you. Keep listening. Share it. Spread the word. This is the last time I'm going to say it, Joel. Yeah. Thanks for checking out Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle podcast. This has been your host, Tom McCarthy. Thank you. Mm-hmm.